You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Happy Easter to everybody. Happy Easter to you. Thank you. Um, Jesus died for you. Am I too far away? Today? You didn't even ask me to check it this time. You are a bit far away. <laughs> Every, everybody's, everybody's listening to me and listening to you going, I'm far, far away. Is that better? Yeah, Jesus died to uh, save you all this weekend, apparently. According to. <laughs> Don't get into religion or you're going to get everybody in trouble. Do acc- not even. According start. to the fairy tale that is Don't, the Bible. Oh my God. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying you just caused yourself a shitstorm, boy. <laughs> well, I don't believe in the Bible. I understand. It's pretty, it's pretty clear. I've said that before in other podcasts. Yeah, but this could be someone's first time. Well, and now you're just throwing that right in their face. <laughs> I probably lost some lost some listeners. Anyway, yeah. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Anyway, it's a lovely time. Like it's a lovely thing to celebrate that somebody bunnies celebrate this. Jesus, that in life there are human beings that are alive that at this moment are willing to sacrifice their own life so you will live. If I would jump in front of a bullet for you. My mother would give every ounce of her life to any of her children to con- for us to keep living. All of my friends would give their lives for their children. That is what it, that's a thing to celebrate. Is that in life you have love enough. Just as humans without any of the other stuff. And just think about it. For no other reason except we need each other. We love each other. We care about each other. And we're willing to give up our own safety and our own health and well-being. Because we do care enough about another human being to keep them healthy and well. I think that's something to celebrate now. The dying and then coming back to life is metaphorically lovely, but I don't know. (laughs) Sounds like it. And before this discussion, this is the before the after the show discussion, we were talking about zombie babies and how if you threw a human child out in the woods, would they ever... (laughs) The story you just mentioned sounds like a movie that Mel Gibson should make. (laughs) Oh, he already did it. You know, the one about the he, resurrection. He didn't do the comeback. He didn't do the resurrection. Oh, he's doing the t- the second one. He is doing the second there one. There you go. That's the resurrection. The uh, Passion of the Christ, the resurrectioning. Is this resurrection... What was the movie you just said that you hated? Regurgence. <laughs> Independence Day, resurrection. Regurgence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. now that we've offended a bunch of people, let's move on. All right, it is Saturday, April the 15th. This is after the show, 475. We are a movie podcast. We're going to review a movie. This week's movie is The Girl With All The Gifts. It's a 2016 movie. Releases on Blu-ray on April the 25th. So you've got a little bit to wait for this one. But it is streaming already. I just found it on Vudu, if you really need to see it quickly. Um, It's rated R. It's from our friends at Lionsgate. And Sid Talk, we give you the quick synopsis. Quick synopsis. (laughs) Of the girl with all the gifts. Here's the thing. This From this moment on, it will be laden with spoilers. Because I knew nothing about this movie, and it made it so much better. I, truly, I knew nothing. Didn't even know it existed. Therefore, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you stop this podcast right now. Listen to something else. Don't care what it is. Go watch the movie, and then listen. Because it'll be that much better. Trust me. I am going to go and listen to the Passion of the Christ audiobook read by Mel Gibson. Is that is that a thing? That should be. That would be awesome. Read by crazy be, Mel Gibson. Is it the Passion of the Christ just the Bible? Which would take a very long time for someone to... And there are audiobooks of it, so... It's like a... Cli- is this the short synopsis you were talking about? It's Don't like interrupt me. cliff note version of Don't the Bible. Don't interrupt my short synopsis. I think it's already... Is that it? No. All right. Okay. Now that you've paused... And you've gone to watch it, and now you've come back. I can tell you, this is a zombie movie. Spoilers with a real life connection. There's like a fungal zombie movie, and it's not about the falling of the thing. It's about how we're coping with it later on, basically. Ten years into a yeah. Um, so it's about fungal. a young girl who's in the midst of it all, who is key to either curing it. Or overcoming this uh, strange zombie apocalypse. This sounds like a game I've played. It does. Mm. It sounds like a lot of movies and TV shows as well. It sounds very much like a game, though, doesn't it? A little. It's... Don't act coy. You know, we've already been discussing it. Last of Us. We know this. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Especially, uh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Th- these... I mean, there is no 
This he, guy who wrote this There's book. nothing new under the sun, so it's not shocking that someone would have made a movie that's in line with the... I mean, otherwise there would have been one zombie story ever told that would have been uh, yeah. related to Easter. Ah! <laughs> I shouldn't say that. That's the ultimate zombie, actually, right? There is a, a zombie Jesus movie. Well, I mean, if you're dead, it's one of those low-budget <laughs> ones where, he resi- where he's resurrected and literally goes on a rampage killing everybody. Oh. Well, see, that's a bit disrespectful. I don't find that charming at all um i don't believe in it but that doesn't mean you need to s- make fun of somebody necessarily um so about the movie did you like it did i like it yeah i really liked it from the moment it started i was i think that look on my face was like you like zombie movies anyway i love zombie movies and as soon as it did you know you don't really know it's a zombie nope. movie at the beginning you don't know until the moment he pushes her out the door you don't know anything about no. it because until that moment, you might be, okay, what we're talking about here is there's children, and they're, like, in lockdown. They've got guns held to their heads. They're obviously dangerous in some way, for some reason. You, you don't, don't You have no idea why. And then there's a demonstration of a child sort of going a little bit feral, like a crazy mad dog. But you're not seeing the outside world. Then all of a sudden, you see hordes of zombie-esque grown people outside Chewing down Heading on for this everybody facility. Yes, army facility, right? So then it kicks in, and then you still don't know. That's what I love about it is that, and I really did enjoy this movie. Like, yes, I come in with a bias because I like zombie movies, good or bad. I'll I'll admit I'm I'm blind to the I'm not blind to the quality because I will tell you if a movie has shitty quality, but the the creative effort someone takes to tell a new zombie story, I'm all over it, right? But this one's actually high quality, high acting, everything. Yeah, there's actually, as far as, like, zombie horror movies go, this is really high, like, at the top of horror movies that I've seen. It's a British movie. It's a very low budget, $4 million. $4 million, pounds, actually, for the whole thing. Which is really, really low for this kind of movie. Which is full of action. Full of CGI. And full of, like, action big set pieces. In fact, there are scenes towards the middle of the movie where you get to see the city of London ten years after this apocalypse. And it's been overtaken by, you know, London has turned back to nature, basically. Like, buildings have trees growing through them and all that kind of stuff. And uh, cheaper movies, and this is a cheap movie... Would, would have gone, oh, we're not going to London, we'll bypass that and go through the countryside. But this movie literally goes to the heart of London, which, if you've not got enough money to make that look good, which this isn't a lot of money, it's usually a disaster, and you're like, oh my god, look at all this green screen stuff. But as we said, there are movies with loads of money, yeah, $200 million. Cheap, like, well, prime example, World War Z. Oh. It has some really ropey special yeah. effects, and it costs $200 million. This cost And it's not told well, and it's not performed well, and it's not written well, and it's not directed well. It has had such potential to be a groovy zombie movie. Even I, I would watch it again, probably, but it wasn't good. But the CG and everything that makes up... You know, I bought the London was over top. Yeah, me too. And it, there was all the iconic buildings, and it looked very realistic. And I never thought, oh, that's a terrible shot. Look at that green screen. I, I just never felt that. It just felt real. So how the hell they did it on this budget? Yeah. Is is amazing. Because um, they're not greedy bastards. <laughs> yeah, it's you know? really amazing. I mean, and they've got... They don't it, have all the little suckling pigs trying to suck out from... Because they're a big movie, trying to make have a big budget. Then you get all these little leecher parasites coming along. I mean, and, uh, when you're making a World War Z, Brad Pitt probably wants $10 million and that... Well, I don't mean them. I mean all the thing. little leeches. All the companies that come along. Like, it could be a caterer who in any other circumstance, would charge X amount of dollars. But if it's a big Hollywood movie, oh, we can triple our prices. You know, that adds on. Or everything from, well, we went to this lighting company and they only charged X amount of dollars for our last movie. But now because we have Brad Pitt and they know we have a big budget, they've tripled their cost or something like that. So I think that's how the money goes up, up, up. And this uh, movie, um, it's a British movie. So, yeah, it's a lot of British people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, faces you'll recognize though it's not like oh it's just a bunch of like students making a film it's actually a, a decent budget decent looking camera works really beautiful. awesome it looks beautiful this. yeah it, it does like it's not badly lit it's it's just everything about it is for what they had they made maximized everything I think 
Um, it's horrific in parts. It reminded me of... Um, there was a few films it actually reminded me of. Doomsday was one of them. Um, even though that's not the same type of movie. That's more of an action-y kind of... But it had that kind of kind of renegade kind of feel yeah, to it. Yeah, definitely. Like Danny Boyle in Even his Even 28 early... Days Later. Yeah, 28 Days yeah. Later. It actually, if you watch this as a double bill with 28 Days Later, it... it it's a very similar vibe. It's even got like that kind of energy to it, like where it moves. Um, it, it's never, I said to you during the movie, it's not predictable at all. Like I could, didn't know what was happening. Like, you know, the way it's set up at the beginning, they're all in the facility and there's the kids in the cells. And I thought that it was going to be that kind of movie for the whole movie. Do you remember the movie we watched at the beginning of this year? Yeah. John Goodman inside. No. But that one was one where it's really Morgan. small. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a small-budgeted movie, and it all took place pretty much in this little... In That was so-and-so girl. That you said you hadn't seen anything else, but she that was her, wasn't it? I can't remember. From The Witch. Yes, it was, actually. Yeah, yeah Taylor Joy. That yeah. we just watched. Yeah. Yeah, um, she, yeah so Morgan was a, was a similar type of vibe movie where they've not got a lot of money, so they do the whole thing, and it feels a bit like a play because it's all in one location. This doesn't feel like that because... The shit hits the fan in this movie fairly quickly. Like, yeah. quicker than I thought it would. And then we're on full action, like, hundreds of extras type deal going on. And I was like, wow, is I didn't think it was going this It's not the kind of action that you think of with, like, World War Z or Big Independence no. Day. Nothing like that. We're talking about action as in like, there's just realistic. a lot going on in the shot. Better than The Walking Dead. But there's Dead. no helicopters crashing. There's none no. of that. No tanks blowing up or no explosions or anything like that. It's just... There's a lot happening, yeah. Uh, and really good camera work, and like that scene. Do you know the scene where uh, what happens is some stuff happens in the laboratory, and they run outside, and outside there's a big zombie apocalypse scenario going on. <laughs> like the whole base is being attacked by hundreds of zombies, I guess. It has to be hundreds of them. And the army are getting the trucks and they're on those trucks that have big machine guns on top and they're just mowing them down and they're running into them and it's like one of those seamless shots where the camera turns around and somebody's doing something and somebody else is doing something i was like wow this is yeah like it's like that's all incidental like Shaun of the dead it's all just happening yeah and you're just walking through it and you're not from the focus of one particular person you just and it feels chaotic and it looks good. The only complaint I would have about any of that, it's like The Walking Dead, that CG, when you pop people's heads and it's Was CG. that CG blood? Yeah, because I, I notice it a lot now. I know it's economical and cheap to do, but there's a lot of no blood on the wall when somebody gets shot near a wall. There's like nothing. Or sometimes it's on the grass, sometimes it isn't. They do it on The Walking Dead too. I know it's cheaper. You don't have to have fake blood everywhere. Mm. But this movie does that too. So if There's you don't blood like the in this CG, movie. yeah, but it's all, it's CG a lot of it. It's mm. it, it's not like um, Rick Baker with his gallons of blood, like or Evil Dead, for instance, Ash versus Evil Dead. There's no CG blood in that one. They just literally throw <laughs> buckets of fake blood on people. So that isn't this. This movie's just got a lot of that. But and like also you said, some of these zombies, particularly in the city part, a bit later on kind of look like shit. Yeah. They've got shitty makeup. It's like what... I mean, literally, like I can look at pictures of my nephew as a zombie in his eighth grade, ninth grade play, and... It looks like that, doesn't it? it? Like a, one piece of rubber stuck on yeah. and some paint. I was like, I had to blur my eyes. It was very... It was just... It was a little too much. It was like everywhere, and, and they I didn't, thought that was really let them down. Yeah, they didn't try to film all that in the dark, because this movie takes place in the day, so... And I understood their goal. It's because it's a fungus, and it's like if you watched an apple or an orange get fungus grow all over it. Or a melon or something. He gets these weird bumps and they get all green and weird looking. Yeah, that's what it's like. Pustule looking. And that's fine. Except that this was like... And we saw them doing the extras. They cut out a piece of the formed plastic and stuck it on. And, and then sprayed. rubbed it around. And, 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 did some and I'm, not dis- I'm not dismissing their effort because there were a lot of extras to do this to. But I think their standard got a bit skewed. Because they didn't realize how stark and raw... You, when you see it, it looks, it's not even filtered. I, if it is filtered once they get the film done, but it needed to be a little bit more something. 
Yeah. Or less. I'm like, make people look more normal, but with, like, just but little again, blotches. It's been ten years, right? So Yeah, but these people could have just become zombies, like, yeah. five minutes ago. But that's the only thing I could complain about, because, like, there's literally, like, special effects and everything are fantastic. Like, like you see the city and you go, wow, yeah, that's London. And that London is really screwed up. Like, like it really does look like London. So, yeah, when it comes down to, like, close-ups of zombies, well, they're not zombies, are they? What are they called? Hungries. Hungries, yeah. Which is, you know, everybody has to is come up with... Is that a conscious it. effort not to call them zombies? I think everybody these days, like, go, well, we're not the zombie thing. We're something else. <laughs> so we're, we're the hungries, we're the walkers, we're the... Whatever. What are the other ones? Shamblers and people make different names up, don't they? From mm. is there is no mention of zombies in this movie actually because they're not called zombies, are they? So, um, what did you think of the story overall? Did you did it satisfy you? Was it um, a good story? Was it sat- was it concluded well? Do you think? Did you like the ending? I won't talk about the ending, but I will say I felt like it was a solid. It's a little bit comic booky. Yeah, graphic the, novel for sure. Yeah, the trajectory of where we where this girl comes from and the idea of it is more literary. It's more comic booky. This is based than on a is. book, by the right? Way. But they're also trying to. But he wrote his book and trying yeah. to base it on a real life fungus that takes over the ant and then the ant goes someplace and then this fungus spores and all that shit. Right? That's the idea of the zombie um, fungus. So he's basing that on reality, but then some of the imagery and the ideas are just, you can't, it's a bit disconnected from how real we're trying to be. So that was my only, other than the weird makeup, um, but I went along with it because I totally adored the idea, but the origin of these children, so now we have children in the city who are not complete zombified. They think, they work in a pack, they communicate with each other. They're not just ambling around like everybody else. Like, all the grown-ups are all mindless eating machines, I like how they're like, um, another thing about these zombies is they congregate together. Like, they all kind of stop. Were you tired of my answer? Because I wasn't done, but... (laughs) You were asking me if I liked the story. Right. So what I'm saying is... While you were talking on the subject of the zombies, I I was saying... That I like how they congregate together and they're different to other movies because they just literally, they, they kind of stand there still when they're not being bothered. If they if there's no noise or anything to the reactor, they just stand oh, there. Oh, that's how Walking Dead is. When they well, show they still of... shamble. These literally like stand there. Like they don't even shamble. They just stand Until there. Until something inspires yeah, it's, them. It's like they're playing, um, what do you call it? Musical, that thing where you have to stand still when the music stops. It's like it's like they're doing that, and then if there's a noise, they they uh, react to it. Anyway, go on, continue. I forgot where I was at. So go you were on. talking about your uh, what what you thought of it overall and the ending. And you asked me how I liked about the story. Yeah. And the story is that we've got a mutation now of this virus mixed with a human who now can think and communicate and be everything like these children are. The the grown-ups are fucked basically, and the idea is. The humans are trying desperately to stay alive. And the one human who left, who can think and talk, is her. And she says, why do you have to live and we have to die? That I love. The idea that we're so arrogant, (laughs) humans. But then again, she says multiple times and all they want to do is live. They just want to survive. And that's all we're doing. Humans are doing that by being the most bombastic creature on the planet, trying to blow up everything and kill each other, just in the name of survival and whatever. And so does everything else. So if all of a sudden the lions became... there, All of a sudden, if there were 10 billion lions and they took over the planet, that's fine too, because, I mean, yeah, that was that's the idea. So I like that. That part of the story is my favorite thing of the whole story. Yeah, I like. Uh, I one of the other things I like about it is how it feels like a standalone thing, not somebody trying to make some franchise. Yes, absolutely. It just feels like a one-off movie that has a satisfying conclusion and doesn't feel like somebody literally made a movie to try and make three movies. Absolutely. Um, so I did like that because a lot of a lot of movies these days feel like somebody's trying to make a franchise, and this doesn't. It just feels like this cool. Standalone movie. Yeah, I agree. Like 28 Days Later, when that came out, 
I know that spawned a sequel, but it didn't feel like it needed one. It felt like this cool zombie movie with these new type of zombies that we hadn't seen, these fast zombies. Incidentally, this this uh, movie has very fast moving. Yes, there's the fast kind. Uh, not zombies. <laughs> but they move fast, fast. They, well, even the guy who made it calls them zombies. The guy who wrote it calls them zombies. Yeah, he does. They're very scary. Um, I'm not scared of the Walking Dead zombies at all anymore. It looks no. so easy to outfox them, unless there's a million or, of them. Yeah. But, uh, See, that's what the Walking Dead needs to do. They need to introduce the fast zombies, one. no, who can, who still have a little bit of thinking left. Just a, just enough. Just a hint, you know? Yeah, but in The Walking Dead, I do find nowadays, watching it, and I like it, that the people are more dangerous than the zombies. The zombies are almost just... I think that's the idea, isn't it? Yeah. And it's cheaper to have less zombies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but this feels to me like no. If you're out in the open and there are some of these, even five of these, you're fucked. Like because they're too fast. Like they'll come at you and they're not won't stop until you're dead. So um, yeah, it's scary in that respect. I liked where it uh, the the scenery, how it was filmed. It's really nice, like in the middle of the countryside. Aside from when it goes to um, London, they but they use cleverly. And I didn't even spot it during the movie. But cleverly, the director took a drone and he took it to Russia and uh, Pipiat, where the Chernobyl disaster took place. I know you're not allowed there, but he he flew a drone over there that you can do that. I think they allow people they to do, do it for money now. Yeah. yeah. And it, if you've ever seen pictures of that place, it's, it is like The Last of Us. It's like a nature has overrun a city. And um, you look at he, what he did was took a drone over that and, and filmed it a lot and then implemented it into his version of London. So when it's looking at like some council flats that are all overrun, they're actually real ones in London and it's cheaper to do that than actually make some CG ones. And in the movie, I didn't even notice. <laughs> so it makes it really awesome. Like it, uh, The cool thing about Pripyat, Pip, is that how you say it? Pripyat, is um, if you ever look at it for real. They've allowed Google Cars, because look at that. I'm doing it on the map, right, right, to look at it. They've allowed at least some Google vehicle of some kind to drive around in. The coolest area of that place is where the Ferris wheel is still stood. It's just, uh, there's a load of, like, council-looking flats, and then there's a Ferris wheel, and it's just a, a ghost town with, like, you know, everything overrun. And uh, it's really spooky. I bet. I mean, I know people are not allowed there, really, because it's still radiated heavily, isn't it? But if you go on Google Maps like you are doing right now, you can look at pictures. But they incorporate that into this movie, and you would not know that they did that. And it's perfect, because that place looks like what an overrun London would look like. So moving on to the cast here, we'll say we both liked this movie a lot. Yes, I loved it. I mean, I really loved it. I would watch it again right now, just because... It's really good. It got me, you know, you miss a lot of things. When I really love a movie, I actually miss a lot. Not big things, but just I'm so engrossed. I'm focused on what they're directing you to be focused at in the moment. When I don't particularly like a movie, I'm looking around. I'm noticing all kinds of shit. When I'm focused on the person who's supposed to be the center of attention and the action that's supposed to be the center of the action, I'm there. And then I watch it again, and then you can kind of zoom your lens out a little bit and catch all the other cool stuff, like the scenery and everything. Because yeah. while I was focused on it a little bit, I was still looking at the people who were over here in the corner, yeah. and you're kind of missing out. So I would watch it again. I really enjoyed it. So the cast there is uh, Gemma Arterton plays uh, Helen Justino. Um, you will know her. She was in Clash of the Titans. She was in Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. She was the princess in that. Um, she's a very, very British lady to me like her accent is super british and uh you know when she was reading there's the ferris wheel you found it <laughs> yeah when you was reading when she was reading out of the book at the beginning about the um pandora's box and stuff yeah that reminded me of the beginning of clash of the titans when she's doing the voiceover and she's talking about that stuff uh what do you think of her you know what i thought of her in this movie generally because she's very attractive she is Cast as sexy woman. Yeah. Even in Prince of Persia, when that princess was sexed up with a cleavage sticking out. Even in Clash of the Titans, she was in a bikini half of the time. In this movie, she's in combat fatigues and a woolly jumper. 
She's no makeup on. Multiple layers. Yeah, she's. It, there's nothing flattering about what she's wearing. She's got no makeup on. She's got her hair pulled back. And they never once try to make her look like a sex symbol, do they? Ever, like... Yeah. We were talking about... Because there'd be no time for being... There'd be nothing left. If it's been 10 years and she's about 28 years old... Right. Well, she would have been 18 years, 18 years old when it happened. And all of a sudden, survival is number one. Yeah. I don't know that procreating... I'm sure people are still fucking around all over the place. However, you would, you know, it's a different different world, obviously. And, oh my god, I forgot my train of thought. Oh, you were saying about, like, Walking Dead, we don't have people in the corner over here making music or somebody over here making art. No. And I'm like, that's because when, every, when all you can do is survive, every little thing goes into resources for staying alive, protection, and staying sane, basically... So that the sexy idea, even though we've seen it in other movies where they shouldn't be sexy, you know, even Ripley has an element of sexiness when she's roaming around in her underwear and yeah. alien. I mean, but if she's in space and she's had a big trauma and there she is in her underwear, but you know, I, I'm not going to complain. I like that. Um, but you would think there's nothing in this world now that points at that. Everybody's pretty exhausted, I would imagine. So I not, was not too exhausted for sex, this- but. But this movie had every opportunity to put her in, so sure. have her take her thing off, and she's got a tank top on at any point, and it never ever did. I was really even, impressed. Even um, Planet of the Apes had the, I think, took off somebody took yeah. off the thing, and she was in like a tight yeah. white I, thing. I think movies just do that on purpose, <laughs> yeah. like because they go, oh, we got to have some flesh in this. This movie, even never, George Lucas, even George Lucas with uh, Carrie Fisher, yeah, like you're you're going to be in this bikini because I'm a nineteen year old girl that I'm it going will to exploit. sell this movie, yeah. yeah. But this movie never does that. They've got a really attractive actress, and they just go, "No, she can be covered up." And uh, she, she put, uh, you know, she just all the way through the movie. They never let that down. Like, um, what did you think of her? Did you like her? Oh, she was great. I mean, she was exactly right because she's got some sympathy for what she's doing here. She's, she's basically teacher. the teacher yeah. for these children. Now they all think of them not as children because. They see them as the fungus because the fungus was already in them when they were born and now they are mimicking everything humans are doing, but they're, they're growing. So they're trying to learn. I'm, pro- I'm sure they're trying to figure out how to either make them into a weapon or Something. make a cure. Yeah, obviously, cure, yeah. as part of the theme. Um, but she has a good distance. She doesn't, she's not all gushy like they were in Morgan where it was just overtly, yeah. like psychotically, emotionally attached to this creature. Um, so she held it back a lot, and yet she's also a trained soldier. You can tell because they put her out, I and mean, when she has to do soldiery stuff, so I thought she was great. Yeah, like in the scene at the beginning where she's in the room and she's teaching them, and she goes and touches like she can see the child in them, mm-hmm. but the soldiers just see them as death. Right, they're going to kill everybody if you exactly. But she she can't separate that. She's like, no, this this something she does, about them. Yeah, but not but with it. not with Melanie, right. <laughs> Um, Glenn Close is in this movie as Dr. Caroline Caldwell. What do you think of Glenn Close? She was awesome. I can't remember the last time I saw her. And I'm not always that huge of a fan. I know that she's great to people, but in this I thought she, every single scene, I was captivated by, she's the scientist who's basically in charge of finding a cure. Yeah. And it's implied through understanding that the next safe place is being overrun, their safe place has been overrun, that we're kind of at the end now. Gotta sort this out. Yeah, we're not seeing all that. No. She's at the end, and yet that's all she wants is to save everybody. She's the one who wants to save all of humanity, and now she's up against Melanie, who understands in some on some level that all she needs to do is save all of her kind or whatever. She's also... So I like that they're at odds because... The way that she plays it in the beginning is she looks at her as a test subject also. Yeah. And then she's like a person, kind of. I just thought she was excellent. And she's getting not well throughout, so she's getting... Un- I mean, her character is failing throughout the movie, and she just... I thought she was awesome. If you look really closely in the movie, too, her, her sister actually plays one of the... Sister-in-law? Sister-in-law plays one of the... Um, you wouldn't know that's her. You might if you know her sister-in-law, if you've seen her. <laughs> So, well, I looked and she'd been in some other things. Um, Glenn Close is not 
a uh, cameo appearance either. Like it's not like oh we we've got Glenn Close so she's in it for oh, two no, minutes. Oh no, she's a she's big a deal, big yeah. part of the movie. Yeah. So it's not you know sometimes you see these smaller movies and you see somebody a big name and then they're literally like one scene where they're a doctor or something and then they're gone. But no, she's in it the whole time and she yeah I liked her. I'm not a big fan of her to be honest. Not usually, but I was impressed. But in this, she seemed like she was really into it. Exactly. Which, yeah. She's re- she seems to have really dark humor. And like I really, really want to be in this zombie thing. Like, yeah. It looks really cool. Like, So uh, Paddy Constantine. Uh, it's not called Constantine. It's kind of an awkward uh, pronunciation. That's spelled mm. wrong. Oh. Is plays Sergeant Eddie Parks. Um, what do you think of him? He's a British actor. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Really good. I've, I said I'd seen him before. I don't remember the ones you mentioned, but... Um, because you start out, you're not supposed in to America. like him because he's one of the hardcore soldiers who would rather shoot Melanie in the head. Melanie's the girl slash fungus. Um, but he's a practical man, and he observes as they're going along in their little he makes, he, the little group gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, he has an arc for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Even in the in the background kind of a way. Even though he's just you, know, you would look at him on the surface and go, oh, he's just a tough soldier guy. But what he does for Melanie as this thing is part of her she's already learned she hasn't learned um, complete compassion or anything yet because she's not been exposed to anything they've been kept in a room in this place in a cell all their lives uh, presumably they're like 10 years old right because she looks like she's about 10 years old she would have been a baby yeah. when it happened so she's about 9 or 10 so she's watching and observing and mimicking learning instantly how humans do things so she wouldn't have learned to feel bad for another person yet. Only the very superficial things that this teacher lady has read her in stories about mythology and whatnot. You know, it's so true. she's learning all these concepts of love, but not experiencing it. I think he and all three of them, the doctor, the teacher, and the soldier, all kind of give her that thing. Because in the end, she has to be pretty hardcore um, with them. Yeah, and you'll know that actor from In America. It was like Oscar nominated. He was the father in it. It was really sad, that movie. <laughs> but uh you remember that movie, In America? What was it? It's like the father and they come immigrate to America and there's, and it, they go through real hard times, like oh, Irish yes. family. Oh, yes, yes, it yes. Is sad. He was the father in that. It was really <laughs> sad. <you know? laughs> it was just super sad. That's where he came, rose, you know. Um And talking to Melanie, who's literally... The main character in this movie, played by this thirteen-year-old uh, girl, who's a brand new actress. She calls Sienna Nanua, and this movie wouldn't work without her. It, I mean, it's all hinged on her, whether she's believable or not. And she absolutely is awesome the entire time. There's no way you would think that this is a first act, first movie for this person. Um, she has to improvise at some points. She has to do a lot of physical stuff. She's got to do some emotional parts too, like with the... It's really complicated, her character, actually. I don't know if she knows as an actress how complicated the character is, but she pulls it off. It's a complicated thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's like... She does a lot. She has <laughs> to be like the innocent child. Yeah. But who seems to have a very high intellect. Also, you have to be slightly frightened of her because you don't know exactly how she, what she was going to do. You know? Yeah, but that's not part of her thing. She just has to be how she is. She's not intimidating to anyone ever until she learns that she has to be to yeah. her little minions. <laughs> I mean, she's intimidated. She's intimidating. There's a thing with these kids where there's a cool like thing in this movie where they've those humans have developed this gel similar to in The Walking Dead where they rub walker flesh all over themselves <laughs> and they become immune like they won't see them well they've made this gel called blocker gel and you can rub it on yourself and the smell of you that these things get how they know you're there it, it becomes invisible so there's this thing where when they can smell the human and they're hungry they do this chomping with the teeth and she does it and that's where I was scared of her. I was like, yeah. she really is just an animal like the rest of all these. She controls it, though. Yeah, she does. To and a that's degree. What, that's what I mean. That's, there's parts of it where you're like, wow, she, like I can see that she's wrestling with this thing. Yeah, really in with, depth. Yeah, without messing about. Because they let she's hungry at one point. She's looking at them as lunch. 
She's like, oh, they look really but tasty. But she knows she has to stop herself. And, and she go. says to them, like, I'm hungry. I need to go. Here's a bit of gore. There's a bit of gore. And she goes off to eat whatever she, eats she can find. little creatures. Creatures, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she satisfies herself and then comes back and says, I'm not hungry. I'm now. good now. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. You can. And she's full of blood and she's gross. The whole thing. She's cool. Like, she's really, like, played it well. There was never a moment where I was like, oh, sometimes with kid actors, you're like, oh, that's not. It's like watching Strange Things, Stranger Things, because yeah. there's no there's no gap in their skills. No, there's no moment when Similar you're like to that, actually. it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So yeah, keep a lookout for this girl. You you're definitely going to see her again somewhere. This is directed by Cole McCarthy. He has directed episodes of Doctor Who in England, also Sherlock and uh, Peaky Blinders, which is a big show in England as well, with um starring uh, Mister Twenty Eight Days Later himself, right? Um, so he does all this like, um, kind of, well, Doctor Who's not edgy, is it really? But Peaky Blinders really is. And, uh, Sherlock has some moments of, he did the Sherlock episode with the uh, werewolf. Mm. So, and I can see like where he's, so he's a TV director. He's not done a movie. What did you think of this guy? That was good. I mean, I don't know that it's distinct in any way. But it it is, doesn't feel like a TV show. But he did take his nod from other movies and other ideas. And so he's one of those people who will say, I'm using 28 Days Later and I'm using he even Walking mentioned Dead. That and I'm using, name. yeah, that their style. So he's, uh, he's like a Stephen, uh. King? No. Hawking? No. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> Steve? Baldwin? No. <laughs> McQueen? A- Who's a famous director? Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, Steven Spielberg. While I prefer you might Hawking. say that every single person, every <laughs> single movie is wonderful in that, you can say that not everybody would, but there is no pattern to his directorial style. You can't compare AI to Jaws to. The, the terminal. Terminal to any of that. You can't compare them Munich. to each other. There's no stamp on them that says Stephen <laughs> Stephen King. <Hawking>. As he <laughs> Spielberg. Jesus. There's no stamp um, on it. And I think this guy has the same thing. And that's good, actually. I understand that some directors like one of your favorites, Mr. Steve Har- McQueen. No. <laughs> Hawking. No. Not Stephen. Paul Thomas This Anderson. is an easier one. Quentin. Tarantino. <laughs> How many Quentins do you know? Only that one. Okay. No, He's... two. Quentin Crisp as well. Okay, well, Quentin Tarantino has a very specific yeah. director eye. And he wants to put himself all over every single movie. You feel it. If you watched one, you would know it. Unless yeah. it's a copycat. This guy doesn't have that to me. So I think that's good, actually. Because I can carry you on to a different type of movie with the same kind of quality. I feel like he pulls good things out of everybody. The whole cast... Maybe not the makeup crew, 100%. I hate to say that, but it's true. Or his standard wasn't there or something for that. But everything else I thought was... The quality of the project is awesome. It's and I well think that's filmed. down it's to not, them. It's not shaky cammy. It's There's a not, little shaky cam. Yeah, but appropriately. Yeah, like, like if my head's here, it's a It's like 28 version. days later a bit. Like it feels like yeah. that with that fast. Like everything's a bit fast, you know? But not... Too much. No. In fact, if you go back and watch 28 Days Later, 28 Days Later is a little bit too much. Because he used that, like, double speed camera thing where it's everything moves twice as fast to make it feel more grisly. It's kind of a bit bit crazy. No, this doesn't do that. So, uh, extras on this Blu-ray. There are uh, one. There's one. It's 20 minutes long. It's uh, Unwrap the Secret Girl, the secret World of the Girl with All the Gifts. Say that with uh, without your teeth in. <laughs> it's a making of. It's quite good. Talks to the director, talks to Glenn Close, shows you the makeup trailer, shows you uh, the locations that they used. A lot of them are real places, they're not just CG backlots. Um, talks to everybody in the cast, shows um, a bit of Sienna playing around with a, a body double. Um, what did you think? Uh, the extra, good? Yeah, it was really good. It, I mean, it 20 told, me what, told me what I needed to know, really. I think a 20 minute extra, if you listen to people who make Blu rays. You don't need five hours of extras or whatever you say, and it's all like crap. It's like two minutes of this and three minutes of that. I think one decently produced making of thing is enough. And 20 minutes always seems like enough to me. 
Like, I get everything that they're going for from that. But you like those long I like Star too. Wars when I get lots more information about Star Wars, but on some films I don't need. Now, packed with five hours of extras. Because if there was five hours of extras on this movie, do you think most of it would be repeating itself, you know? Oh, definitely. Um, Unless you took a half an hour to do the costumes, yeah. which we only needed two minutes. And then there's, yeah, you know, one of those terrible, I hate them, where they sit down on a stage and have the cast and they all talk. I do too. Yeah, and they last for two but hours. you like those panels with Star Wars. So. But it's Star Wars, it's an exception. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to watch those panels for anything else. Just Star Wars, generally. So, uh, conclusion. This is a big hit to me. I mean, it's a movie you probably, not of any of, I would say, not many of you have heard of it. It didn't even get a theatrical release properly in the States. So this will be the first people are hearing about it, unless you heard about the British release, because it did pretty well over there. So um, Lionsgate put it out in America, which is cool, because sometimes these movies don't even make it here. So, uh, yeah, you can pick it up on April the 25th. I recommend you watch it. If you're a fan of horror, watch this movie. If you're a fan of zombies in any way, you like The Walking Dead. I'm raising my hand. Like this movie. I'm raising my hand. Yeah. So it's just a good. So if you have any really horrible or really good zombie movie recommendations, feel free to email me at sidtalk at sidtalk.com. That's C I D T A L K at C I D. We've seen a lot of zombie movies over, and there are some really shitty ones, really shitty ones, and there are some okay ones. The one I watched, the, I liked it. The, um,. New Zealand one with the kids, the heavy metal thing. That was really fun. That one was cool that we watched as well from New Zealand with the kind of stereotypical New Zealand dude and his mate. Yep, yep, yep. And they're in that car. That was yep, cool. that was good. Yeah, I don't remember the name of that, but that was so bloodthirsty. It was like Evil the Dead-ish. Road to Something. Yes, and it was Evil Dead-ish. Like, it was literally buckets of blood. That was fun. Um, and then you've got things like Resident Evil, which is like Hollywood. So Hollywoody. And kind of dumb, but for some reason I still like those. Don't you think the Resident Evil franchise is like the Fast and the Furious, but for zombies? It's kind of dumb <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and big, action-packed thing. That's all it is. Like, It feels like that to me. So, um, yeah, that is uh, the movie for this week. I recommend it, and Sidot recommends it, and uh, you can get it. On Wormwood, the- wasn't that it? Yeah, that's it, Wormwood, yeah. W-Y-R-M. Yeah, it's really cool. W-O-O-D. It's like a... It's literally a love letter to Sam Raimi. But it's got its own thing too, you know. It's a bit Peter Jackson, early Peter Jackson as well. So, um, moving on. If you want to enter a contest, you can this week. Go to aschoolie.com. You can win some stuff. Movie recommendations. I am going on the back of The Girl With All The Gifts. Number one, I Am Legend. This has a vibe of I Am Legend, but actually better than that. Yeah, (laughs) better. Again, Another good idea, yeah. I Am Legend. I'm sure it's, I mean, it's a classic it's a, book, right? Yeah, and a cool film. But it just felt very underbaked or something. It had your big Hollywood actor, it had your cool special effects, it had a you know decent budget. But for some reason, it was kind of disappointing. The ending was kind of poor. Um, but this movie does have an I Am Legend vibe. 28 Days Later is my second one. Absolutely recommend that movie. I'd recommend 28 Weeks Later as well. I know it's not quite as good, but it's still fun to watch. And third, I would recommend The Last of Us, the video game. This movie has a lot of The Last of Us stuff. If there was going to be a Last of Us movie, now there isn't. This is pretty close to a Last of Us movie in a way. Yeah. For the vibe of it and the way it looks, I would expect a Last of Us movie to look like this. So uh, if you're interested in any of those things, Zombies, The Last of Us, I Am Legend, you know, Last People on Earth, you know, Shit in the Fan, Walking Dead, you'll like this. It's that kind of thing, but with a very British... Yeah, and I'll add this one, because it's got the New Zealand vibe, and it's called Deathgasm, and it is also a... It's from 2015, it's quite fun. It's just heavy metal, teenagers coping with... What is now a zombie. Also, um, I liked how scouts survived the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, we reviewed that. That was really good. The scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. See, I like all these different angles. And yes, it can get boring that it's just a bunch of dead people walking around. But I had a good idea for a dead movie. Am I going to say it? Shaun of the Dead is another good zombie movie. 
Um, but my recommendations are going with the theme of going back 30 years to 1987, everybody. Boys and girls, we're going back to 1987 for RoboCop. Yeah, not the new one. The old I know, original. 1987. Yes. People understand what I'm saying, dear. Do you know we're married? Can you tell we're married? Because, oh my god. RoboCop is RoboCop the best of them. It's just RoboCop. No, and not then... just RoboCop. It's... It's... The, <laughs> no, I mean, when I say RoboCop, I'm not talking about the new one, so I'm just saying RoboCop. I, I know. I'm saying... I, I thought you were just saying RoboCop is just RoboCop. It, it, that is just RoboCop. The original is what it is. My the, favorite thing else. about RoboCop is how gory it is. Like, it's super gory and, like... I think I only watched it once. Yeah, it, it's, like, really over the top. Like, there's... People get shot in that movie, like, so much... Like, it's like, one bullet's not enough, like, 50. No, that fake blood that you hate. And that squib stuff, and, like, 50 bullets at once. It's just really gruesome, like, and Paul Verhoeven directed it, who did Starship Troopers later. It has that kind of weird, kind of comedy, what is it, like a, a common, uh, like a commentary on people. Mm-hmm. That's what I really liked about it, it's just, it's kind of funny, but it's really gruesome. Are you taking over my recommendations? Yes. Are you hijacking them? Am is that why one? you liked it? Uh, no, I'm not saying I liked it. I'm saying I've seen it. Oh. It's from 1987, and that's all the movies I'm listing are from 1987 for as many weeks as my list holds out, and we're still going. So Robocop is one of them. I probably should watch it again. Yes, I mean. I, I like the guy, because he's Buckaroo Banzai, <laughs> which I think I liked better than Robocop at the time. And Whitewater Summer, which was Kevin Bacon. Takes a mother and some boys on a river rafting thing, and he's, like, psychotic. Never heard of it. I have heard of movies like that, though. There's lots of them. This is Kevin Bacon. Yeah, there was a time when... (laughs) There was a time when uh, that was, like, a thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Those type of movies where somebody seems like it's all right, and then there's some psychopaths. Yeah, but you like The House Guest or whatever it's called. Mr. Hayes. The Guest. The Guest. Oh, no, you mean... Yeah, Mr. Um, Hayes. Yeah, Mr. Hayes, yeah. Is that the name of it? No. No. You know what we mean. Pacific Heights. Is, is that the name called. of it? Yeah, Pacific Heights. With um, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool movie. But those kind of movies. <laughs> Where you think he's fine. How about yeah. Single White Female? Yeah. Basic Instinct, I guess. And those kind of... Glenn Close? Yes. In Fatal Attraction? Yeah, those... <laughs> Where it was like a twist on like, oh, it's everything seems cool. Oh, no, it's really not. Oh, a Dexter. Hand oh, no, no. Hand the rocks the cradle. All those. Yeah. <laughs> We're so boring. We just tell the same fucking stories over and over. But we love it. We, we gobble it up. Uh, and we do it What in is ch- it about humans? We do it in chunks. Like, at the moment, we're telling the zombie story 500 billion times. Do you think Mama ways. Baboon sits and tells her children's stories? Yeah. The Jungle Book. Grun- Have you seen <laughs> That's the one of our stories. I'm telling their stories. No, there's a baboon in the Jungle Book. No, based not on I mean real, that baboon. Based on a real, a real baboon in the wild. Uh, no, probably not. We don't know. We don't know. You'd have to become a baboon for a while. I don't like to think of us as being so special. that We're the only creatures ever to tell stories. But for some reason, we like them and we tell the same ones over and over. So those are my recommendations. But I'm, I added Deathgasm because I think it, if you like the gory, over-the-top, wild, like you said, um, Evil Dead type of... Stuff they definitely pay homage to Evil Dead in this movie. That one's on Netflix if you want to see it. It was. I don't know if it still is. Is it? It's on my. Do you magically know when everything's on? Every day I look at Netflix (laughs) and it um, always recommends. You remind me when I was a kid, my brother used to call me the TV encyclopedia because you could say to me, "What's on Sunday night at seven o'clock on ABC?" and I would tell you, "What's on Saturday night?" Eight o'clock on NBC. Did you look at the TV guy? Did you really have to? I just want. Yeah, of course. But I watched a lot of TV. In England, it's called the Radio Times. And I don't know why it's called the Radio Times, because it's for the TV. We had it in the newspaper. So there'd be a section <laughs> of the newspaper that was the whole grid of the week. Yeah. And so you could just see it all. In a- you had this, uh, the Radio Times, and it just had everything that was, you know, a page for each day. And you could see everything. Because it was all. from the Radio Times, and then it evolved into right. TV. And it never became the TV. And still now, we watch Gogglebox, and they're holding on to the Radio Times. That's true. So it's like... People still use it, which is funny. <laughs> I know, really. With the age of digital everything. I bet they have a app. Radio yeah. Times. So, um, games and A Scully stuff. Before I do my two games here, we actually watched another movie this week. M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dongs. Split. We won't spoil that movie in nope. any way. Nope, nope. Because it's an M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong movie. You know what that entails. You, you do realize that's not his name, right? 
No, I thought that was his name. (laughs) Um, But, without spoiling anything about that movie, I loved it. What did you think of it? Yeah, I loved it. What did I think of it? I mean, I loved it as in an experience of the... As I went along, I loved it. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I loved the experience of it. It looked good. It felt interesting. You weren't as big a fan. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's the opposite. You're talking as though something different happened this week. No, I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I, I, I still, today, I'm going... Oh my god! How the I know, fuck? but we don't want to take. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm saying, how the fuck did he achieve that? And he achieves achieved it, and it was to me. I'm still thinking. Yeah, but wow, that doesn't. That's that one doesn't, of my favorite moments in movies. Right, but that thing doesn't elevate the quality. And I thought the quality was pretty good, and I, I loved the experience of the movie. Your thing is a separate thing. It's just a byproduct of the movie more than the movie itself. Yeah, I, but I, I enjoyed it. Because I was like, ooh, a lot of times I, I felt I like the performance of the guy was really good. Some of the performances were crappy. But I loved it as a movie experience. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I, His movies are really on and off for me. There's some bad movies he's made and there's some really awesome, like, wow, he made a cool movie. He made a cool thing. This one, to me, is a really cool thing. <laughs> um, and that's as far as I go. Radio Times. App. Still, still going. Yep. So, yeah, Split. It's out now. And it's uh, M Night Shyamalan. And, and don't get don't get spoiled on on Split because don't go and read anything about nah, it. Just watch it. If you go and read something about it, I guarantee you they'll ruin it. Somebody's if any, you care about it as much as you do. Yeah, I, I actually sorted out when I knew he'd got a new movie out. I said to you, I need to watch this movie be so, before somebody just tells me something. Just one thing they might tell you. Yeah. In fact, you could ruin this movie with one word. Yep. And that's it. It's it's like, whoa. So, yeah, don't do that to people. It's nasty. No, I did enjoy it. But you you don't understand my responses to things. And I've been married 17 years. But you still don't understand me. Just because I'm not, like, gushing hearts and shit out my ass about a thing doesn't mean I don't really like it or love it. It means that I've thought about it and it's got its down things. And I'm also neutral on a lot of it. But overall, I thought it was a really... I was really there, you know? The experience, you know, I like the kind of twisty, dark. I find things. it. I, it's just, it's just. We better a, not talk about it too. It's much. just a clever thing that happened there. <laughs> that I, um, the thing that happens, I figured out, didn't I? I figured it Don't out. Don't talk about it anymore. Just no, I'm let saying, people watch No, I'm it. saying just I know people will be interested, but the thing that happened, that I won't tell anything about what happened. I actually did figure it out like a few seconds before it happened, but there w- there is a really big clue that happens. Okay, I think we've said enough. No, not really. We should be. We should really do a full podcast with spoilers on the whole movie because it's so good. Not said enough at there's all. There's only one spoiler for that movie. No, there's a bunch of spoilers in that movie. Not really. I think. Sorry, um, there's one thing to spoil. That's it. I feel like when you know what has happened. To actually go back and watch it again would be kind of cool because I think you'd see some stuff, you know, telegraphed before you that you wouldn't have picked up on before because you didn't know of this thing. So um, the games I've been playing this week, uh, I've been playing Overwatch again. Um, Overwatch is one of the best value games you will ever buy if you like it. It was like thirty nine ninety nine when it came out, almost two years ago, and still to this day you get free content every month. You don't pay anything extra. And um, this month, over at Overwatch Uprising occurred. It's a new special event. There's a load of new things you can unlock. There's a new story mode thing where it's like a horde mode, which is really cool. You play with four of your friends or four random strangers. And you uh, defend. It's like playing the multiplayer, but against computer-controlled opponents who are like really difficult. It's really cool. I've played it so much this week. Trying to unlock these loot boxes that give you extra costumes for your characters. It's just cool. It's cool that they decided not to charge anybody for a season pass. And just let everybody pay $40 for the game and then support it for this. I mean, been supporting it for two years. They say they're going to support it forever. So you get something new every month to play. And I always want to go back and play it. So Overwatch. You probably all played it anyway. My other game that I've been playing this week is Ukulele. There was a game back in the old days, Nintendo 64, called Banjo-Kazooie. 
It was by Rare. Rare, I know more. Well, no, they still... Microsoft bought Rare, and they're making some kind of game for Rare, uh, for Microsoft about pirates. But some of their teams left, and they made a Kickstarter, and they said, we've left Rare now, but we're big fans of those old-school platformers, and we want to make one that's like a spiritual successor to like Banjo-Kazooie back in the day. And we are Rare, so we know what we're doing. If we get enough backers on Kickstarter, we'll actually start making this game. And it's been a couple of years, and the game came out this week, and it literally is, it's, ba- it's ukulele, it's these two characters kind of like Banjo and Kazooie, it even sounds kind of the same. Banjo and Kazooie, musical instruments, ukulele, a musical instrument, two characters. And it, it's like a next-gen version of Banjo and Kazooie, which is like Mario 64. It's like a 3D platformer game. You don't get platformer games these days. They're really rare. Anything rare. Anything that Everything's a shooter now, or an action game, or there's very little in the way of platformers. If you like platformers like Mario, there is barely any of those anymore. It's kind of a dying breed. So this game got made. It's pretty cool. I have one... There's one thing that's bad about it. It's on the PC, and the Xbox, and the PlayStation 4, and it's coming on the Switch as well. But it has an old-school camera, which back then... You just kind of persevered with because that's how things were. But they didn't make the camera modern. It's the same as it was back then. So if you're used to playing modern day games and the camera being kind of intelligent, this one isn't. You have to baby it all the time. You always have to point it in a different direction because you can't see. It's not. A, it's not a fault because they've tried to make a game like the old game. But to me, after playing so many new games, it feels a bit fiddly and awkward. But the game itself is really cool. So that's ukulele. I think it's $40 on Steam. Um, it's out now. What's Spenguli and uh, what are we watching? Spenguli is a horror host who dresses up in a funny outfit and tells semi-bad jokes for a couple of hours as the backdrop to a presentation of an old horror-type movie, sometimes horror comedy, or in recent months he's done all of Godzilla, well, many of the Godzilla movies, including the original, and tonight is going to be the curse of the werewolf. And you say it's from nineteen what seventy something? Seventy one, I think it's. So that's unusual because he usually does forties. I think it's a hammer 60s. one. Right. So, and I may have seen it because I've watched a lot of movies on just regular TV as they come on or whatever. But I'm always interested in these. Again, I like zombie or old classic werewolves, Draculas. Yeah. Vampires, it kind of got... Uh, depends. You have to give me a new story of vampires. I didn't watch Twilight or read any of that or anything, but... um, I've still... We've never seen any of the um, Underworld movies mm-hmm. with Kate Beckinsdale, and they're, you know, the modern-day the, the vampire movies. Now, Blade. I watched that again a few weeks ago on TV. Blade's pretty interesting. It's very stylized. I feel like we should we'll just watch all four Underworld movies, because we don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... We supposed to be like it? they're supposed to be very Resident Evil but vampire version, like you know, like that quality. Resident Evil's not great. No, that's what I'm saying. They're supposed to be like. I don't know if I want to use sixteen. How many hours would that be in my life? Eight to ten hours of my life when I could be rewatching or watching new zombie. Movies. Yeah, but they could be really good. It could. You yeah. never know. So that's that's Vanguli. What's for dinner? Subway. Eat fresh. Eat fresh. Eat your way. <laughs> I can't help it. It's the easiest. Well, it's the second easiest solution. And it's really Number tasty. one is to drive through Jimmy John's, which you don't like. Because, I mean, you like it, but you prefer the wheat bread, which, to be honest, the Subway wheat bread is not going to be any healthier than any other bread. It just tastes better. So that's why I'm riding Subway. Even though I have to go get out the You car, can go to Jimmy John's, I da-da-da. said. Just don't give me the guacamole stuff. I've gone off guacamole in a big way. Or Because it's slimy? You don't and like the, the taste of it is kind of. Then I'm me basically off. paying for nothing. I'm paying for a piece of bread and some fucking mayo and some lettuce, and I'm not going to do tomatoes. that. Barely. They barely put anything on there. So I'll go to Subway so that I can pile up. I always ask for extra. We, we're vegetarian in case you don't know this. So we skip all the meat part and um, I'll just pile on the veg. If you're a vegetarian, Subway is great because they have all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's great you for us. Some people the- are freaky deaky about actual details of how a place processes their mm. bread or whatever. But I don't have any problem with how they do it. And we, we're not vegan, so we do eat the cheese. And they do have a veggie patty, 
that is like a Morningstar veggie burger. So I may get that for my sandwich. So that's what's for supper. And my advice, did you ask me what my advice is? No, I never asked. Today, my advice is don't be needy, right? Needy is, I don't know. I really hate the concept of neediness. So I try not to be, like, you always get annoyed with me because I don't ask you for help all the fucking time. Like, with the groceries and lifting things oh, and true. moving things and opening my door and bringing sometimes, me things. thing. And- sometimes, let me tell a story. I hear you <laughs> struggling, really struggling up the stairs with maybe four bags of groceries, <laughs> like, really heavy. And you're like, Ugh! and I'll go, and I'll, I'll, stand, it against the wall. I'll stand at the top of the stairs and say... Do you need any help? No, I'm all right. And I'm like, no, you're And I'm not. annoyed that you're asking yeah. me. <laughs> and then I will anyway. Because anyway, I'll come and help. And but. I'm I'm grateful for the help, but it annoys me because I am at, I and even when I'm struggling to lift something or carry something or even if it's like something's in the other room and you're in the other room and I'm like, oh, I could have him bring me that, but oh, I'll just get up instead of asking because I know people who are like, uh... Can you bring me my phone? And they're like five feet away from That sounds from like it. a distinct person you know. There's a few. That's that impression of that person. There's a few. It's not just one. There's a few. And the idea that your teenage children are all for doing all your freaking chores for you and bringing you everything, especially if they're boys, they get to be like your Slate. indentured servant where they are required to bring in the groceries and you just are like entitled to someone doing this shit for you. I hate that. It's entitlement and neediness. Now... When you need help, like you're unable. When I've had surgeries in the past, and we have had that experience in our marriage, I've had foot surgery, I've had hysterectomy, those are times when I cannot do shit for myself. True. Well, you would try, and I'd be like, well, when sit you and down mom were asleep, I would uh, actually do things I know. for myself. You'd be like, I'll be like, <laughs> how did you go over You know that? why? Because I would have sat there all freaking day having people bring me shit and ask me if I need something. And do you need a glass well, of water? Well, no, I'm, I'm, a, good, to I'm a good looker after. I don't hassle you. <laughs> Your mother might have, but I, know, I, I will just, if you need something, I'll get it. But I'm not going up to you saying, do you need this? That's not true, because you would ask me. Not hassle. Need a cup of tea. Not hassle. But this is a, there's a different definition for everybody. But the neediness is this entitled, you know, self-imposed helplessness, which I find, ugh. And that, that's not just physical either. We're talking about emotional, intellectual, you know. Um, emotional neediness is very unattractive. I am not a needy person, I don't believe, emotionally. In fact, I've been called kind of cold-hearted and I've been called distant. And that's all true because... I don't like to attach myself to someone with these, like, what I would think of, like, tendrils where you're, like, wrapping yourself around somebody else's heart and being like, I've got you now. And you're going to, like, bow to my every emotional way. Well, you have got my heart. <laughs> because I've forced you or because you're a sucker? <laughs> sucker. 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 I didn't have to send out the tendrils for you. You're just like that. But... That also is not attractive in a friend or a family member or a coworker. You know, this sensitivity thing. I'm, I'm a well-balanced sensitivity person. I understand there are areas you don't necessarily step all over. And yet I'm willing to say my opinion or my beliefs or my non-beliefs, whatever, in a way that doesn't, you know, I don't need someone to be there to give me permission or allow me or to to make me feel better about myself or if I'm having a hard emotional time, I like support. I appreciate the support, but often I feel like I appreciate it for the person who's giving it more mm-hmm. because I know it makes people feel good to give you their support. So that's cool, but I don't reach for it. I don't ask for it. I don't manipulate people into giving it to me. And so I say be needy. I mean, don't be needy, but be happy being needed. So, like, I'm happy that my friends want to give me support. Oh, we found out in the last few months my father has cancer, and when we don't know where it's going, it's not good. We don't know. Like, could be could be years, could be five months, could be two months, could be a week. Who knows? And my friends then attach an emotion to that. One of them has lost her father to cancer. Another is, you know, desperately wouldn't want her father to get cancer. And so their emotions are coming at me from different directions as support for me. And I like the connection we all have that we need each other for this, you know. But I'm not sitting here every day on the phone like that person who called me up from college who I haven't spoken to for 20 years hardly. 
And now it's sad that her father passed away, but she calls crying and moaning and she's just desperate. And then she starts texting me and sending me messages. I don't even communicate with her anymore. I think that was just like she needed some. I think that she was doing that to everybody because she was like, never think back. That's how she was then as well. Like this sort of, I'm the only one suffering kind of person, you know. So the bottom line is, don't be needy or entitled. But be accept the fact that you are needed by some people. Just don't make other people feel like they're obligated to you emotionally or whatever. Because it just sucks. It's just not right that you don't you don't own the license to everybody's emotions. I don't like that. Or the person needing to carry the groceries up for you. It just seems vulgar to me. And finally, before we go, we uh, started cycling again this week um, because the weather got better. And because of my bingo wings and my triglycerides and my fat butt. And uh, <laughs> I think I cycled 40 miles this week. Pretty nice. good. It was nice and warm. It was um, very nice. It was windy a couple of times. But I'm we excited. Did the I've been missing it. Um, and we'll do it again this week. Is that what you were saying about it? I was just saying we started cycling <laughs> again. I mean, because we had to lock it down for the winter. Because you can't go on the trail in the winter. Well, you can't. We have a place called the KT the Trail. Was shitty. It was a train track that went across Missouri, and now it's been converted to a bike slash walking trail. And it is awesome. Right along the Missouri River. Yeah, it's just quiet. You don't get bothered by anybody. You just ride as far as you want. It is lovely. And, uh, and to this point, have either of us ever been outdoorsy people? No. Ugh, no. And now, all of a sudden, I like gardening. We like our biking. You like mowing the yard. <laughs> We're getting old. I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I like... you, know what? you say you enjoy it. Uh, I like the end result right. of it looking neat and trim. But when I'm pushing it around, it's 90 <laughs> degrees. I'm not, I'm not really into that. <laughs> um, so, I'll remind you about our websites, ascully.com and sidtalk.com. You catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play Music Store, the iTunes Music Store, or the RSS feed. Just go to ascully.com, click on podcast. You can listen there. There are 475 episodes it would take your entire life to listen to them no it wouldn't it hasn't taken our entire life to do them it would take a <laughs> if they're an hour each some of them are two hours yeah but that it doesn't make any sense it wouldn't take your entire life it would take your entire life 475 hours of your are you giving people life. like a horrible death sentence <laughs> yeah. there you only have 474 well, hours if you to, to live. all in a row you probably would die of boredom <laughs> 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 well that is lovely uh, sailing point. <laughs> like, re- listen to our podcast. Just don't listen to too many don't in a row. To too really <laughs> you might fall asleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can email feedback to aschoolie Oh my god. Don't email Sid Talk unless you've got a recommendation for a zombie Correct. movie. Correct. And finally, um, I want to say, uh, oh, who would I say for this? Well, I'd say the movie in general. Stay classy, the girl with all the gifts. Great movie. You should all watch it. And I'm going to say thank for yourself or someone will do it for you. 